This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. What's good, fam? It's your host, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Farm D and ED, and I'm bringing you a special episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. Today is going to be a little different. Not much content. I come to celebrate the Farm So Hard two-year anniversary and to celebrate the people who have made us who we are and give you guys a few treats. So first, let me jump into a few things. Before I get into the spotlight, I want to highlight some of the people who've really helped us out. So this is going to be a big shout-out session. So I want to thank Brian Gilbert. I want to thank Jim Priano. I want to thank... Uh, Brian Hayes, I want to thank just all the people, Rob O'Connell, all of my guests that's been on, and my my co-host, Oscar. Uh, Thanks so much for what you're doing. And for our newest member to the team, Kristen Cole, who you're going to hear from later on, I just want to thank all of those guys. And it's been a phenomenal two years. We went from, you know, some place that we're we're getting minimal downloads in the hundreds now into the tens of thousands. it's been phenomenal to have that type of support. So Farm So Heart Nation, I want to thank you. And the way I'm going to do that is we finally got the finished touches to our Farm So Heart attire. So we're going to have all the merch out there, guys. And I'm going to make sure I do a big giveaway to make sure people can get those. Um, we're going to have shirts. You're going to have stickers. You're going to have all those cool things that we need to dis- display to you how much we appreciate it. So that's going to come. Also. The next step of what we're doing with Farm So Hard and combining all of our sister companies with Farm So Hard being the audio and everything that you can listen to and see, the next step, we're going to have Pharmacy Friday Pearls, which is going to be your quick handouts to get you information that's very brief and to the point. And our latest of the bunch, the PACU, Pharmacy and Acute Care University. I have spent countless hours getting experts and people together to make this website for you guys. This is our deep dive. This is going to be a place where residents can go and find all the latest references for a particular topic. This is going to be a place where we have live webinars with other experts to talk about things in more in-depth fashion. And it's going to be a way that you guys can go to the community aspect of this and communicate, share ideas, share protocols, share all the things you guys want and have communication that you may not want on social media. You may want in a more private setting. You may want to direct message someone. But you want to make sure you have the platforms to do that. And that's what the PACU is going to do. So it's going to be a way for you guys to work with me. If you want to collaborate, definitely reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, If there's something that you want to see, let me know. This is going to be a great way for us to just build what we want together in the acute care world. So major plug out to the PACU. Again, you can go to pharmacy slash acutecareuniversity.com. Again, that's going to be pharmacy slash acutecareuniversity.com and check that out. If there's something you want to know, just message me, guys. I am happy to do whatever it can to make sure I can provide value to you guys. But overall, I'm happy where we're at. We've went from, you know, ranking in the bottom 20 with pharmacy podcasts to in the top three. We've went from being, you know, 
not ranked at all from an emergency medicine standpoint to consistently being in the top 10 up there with all the big dogs and learning from them, but continuing to grow just based off all your support. So we really appreciate that. But that's enough of me talking about uh, the two-year anniversary, which is phenomenal to me. I thank all of you in the Form So Heart Nation. Really, it'd be great once we get ready to have our first emergency medicine pharmacotherapy conference in March. So I have a lot of stuff coming to you guys and I only do this because you guys empower me. You guys motivate me. You guys are the people who help me stay up at two, three o'clock in the morning when things are rough. So I just want to give a round of applause to all of you guys because you have really led to form so hard in everything that I've made to be as special as it is. But I'm going to go ahead and move forward with our spotlight. That's going to be great. I'm going to have Kristen help me out a little bit. And we had both of our members send some information in. So uh, we're going to see me put the pieces together. So it's not going to sound like our traditional because we have a few different moving pieces. But we're going to go ahead and move to our Form So Hard Spotlight. And if you guys want to be part of that, reach out on Twitter. There's a poll out there. Please submit the cool cases that you're doing so we can have you be a part of the Form So Hard Spotlight. And of course, get some free goodies, okay? All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Christian with Farm So Heart, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Dan Giddings today, one of our spotlight speakers, about his uh, pharmacy intervention. So, Dan, could you go about telling us a little about yourself and your current practice site? Sure. What's up, Internet? <laughs> uh, my name is Daniel Giddings. I'm an emergency medicine pharmacist at St. David's South Austin Medical Center. Um, which is a 360-ish bed acute care um, community hospital. The ER is the busiest in Austin. Um, we see uh, probably uh, pre-COVID numbers like 100 to 110,000 visits a year. Um, we're creeping back up to those numbers now. Um, but I've been in that position um, since 2016. I'm also the director for our PGY1 residency program. Awesome. Perfect. So... Based on your spotlight, could you describe a little bit more in depth about the situation that you were in and maybe how you found it, the intervention, the follow-up that went with it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, this occurred several years ago, but it stuck with me. Um, there were two patients that came in pretty close together. Uh, they were both uh, fairly young, um, like 30s or 40s. They were presenting from uh, either directly, essentially out of the PACU from a day surgery or um, the day after, and in the case of the other patient. Um, and both of them came in with just something that they had noticed um, that had no other complaints associated with it. And it was unilateral anisocoria, um, came out of nowhere. Vision was a little blurry. They looked, the pupil was dilated uh, and had no explanation and had both just had surgery. So their minds uh, understandably kind of went to the worst place possible and they presented to the ER. <laughs> I think I would have done the same. Um, and they both came in, got a kind of basic workup, got the interview with the doc. And in both cases, the physicians came back to the provider area where they sit, which is kind of right across the uh, nurse's station from where I do. And uh, I could hear them talking about it and heads were scratched and they were kind of trying to figure out what was going on. The provider who, who had the patient um, brought over the, um, for the first patient, brought over the surgical record. Like they, she came with her anesthesia flow sheet and said, what on here could do this? 
did you have like a stroke during the surgery? Like, uh, you know, of course you're as an ER physician, right? Your, your mind's going to go to that place too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we kind of scratched our heads for a while and, um, just kind of had the random idea to look for a scopolamine patch. I mean, it was the only thing, there was nothing on the flow sheet that made any sense. Um, it was normal anesthesia stuff. It was propofol. It was fentanyl. Um, and we walked over to where the patient was and asked, and she said, no, I don't think so. But we looked and sure enough, she was wearing one. So, uh, like a lot of day surgery centers, I think, uh, it's a great nausea control, driest mouth I've ever had, but it's a great nausea control. And she they put it on her before she'd really even woken all the way up from anesthesia. And she must've touched uh, back up there several times, touch her eyes, you know, do a little scopolamine transfer. Uh, the second patient was the day after and actually remembered taking the patch off. It had kind of fallen off uh, when she bathed and, uh, she'd tried to take it off beforehand um, the next time um, with some rubbing alcohol (laughs) and just spread the scope around and its oily goodness and put it back into her eye. Uh, And the second time around, I was just waiting for someone to say anisocoria. It happened like a month later. I was like, I'm never going to see another case like this. It's that's it. That's my one moment. Um, But sure enough, same deal. And they were both um, did an exam. Uh, They both kind of did an ophthalmologic exam to make sure, you know, no pain, no any uh, retinal issues, um, nothing else that's concerning with a a nice, obvious, easy explanation that we weren't considering. And they both avoided admissions for MRI. Um, And it, uh, yeah, it was years ago now, but I still very clearly remember it. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely... I've definitely had my fair case, uh, fair amount of cases of having like ipotropium nabs caused kind oh, of yeah. of in the ICUs and such. Uh, <laughs> so definitely avoiding those uh, CT scans, especially MRIs, is extremely valuable. So that's awesome. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but how has this intervention changed your practice? Uh, <laughs> well, besides being on the lookout for someone to say anisocoria, um, yep. but I think mostly it's just been more aware of. Um, over-the-counter products or commonly used uh, medications in certain scenarios um, because the documentation was not on our side there. Like we had no, it wasn't written anywhere. Uh, It didn't come in with the history. One patient didn't even know she was wearing one, but um, just being more aware of certain settings that use certain medications frequently and how it might affect your patients. Definitely. And hashtag check your patches kind of thing (laughs) for sure. Um, And then kind of, I guess, looking at the, looking in an overall picture, what do you see as the most impactful intervention or like service that pharmacy can provide to patients, whether based on this experience or overall? That is a very good question. Um, and it's one I think we try to answer uh, in all of our practices uh, every day. Um, I think what it comes down to me is that it it's someone in whatever setting you're in, um, critical care and oncology, whatever. Um, it's someone who's an expert in a specific set of circumstances in an increasingly complex world of medicine um, who can think of things like that or think of things large or small that uh, can catch errors or um, oversights or even just optimize um, in a way that uh, kind of suits our skill set and training and you know natural inclinations um, and just really make the team better for us being there. Definitely someone to ask the difficult questions or a different question for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I really appreciate all your answers today, Dan. I really appreciate you sharing that uh, Pharmacy Pro with us today. And uh, thank you again. Awesome. Thanks for having me on.
All right, so that was Christian talking to Dan. We're going to go ahead and transition to Uganda. That's right, guys. We have Joshua coming from Uganda. He's going to tell us about his Farm So Hard Spotlight. Hello, Jimmy. My name is Joshua. Thank you for having me at the Farm So Hard podcast. I'm very grateful to be a part of this and to share my experience from Uganda all the way in Africa. Uh, I'm a clinical pharmacy resident, second year, that's the final year, uh, and currently also a teaching assistant at the University Department of Pharmacy at Marinella University of Science and Technology. Uh, so what basically do is to take a final year clinical year through clinical rotations, uh, bedside teaching in the hospital, and uh, <clears throat> we have made a, quite a number of experiences and as well advances in terms of the service provisions we are giving. And just pertaining my practice site, I practice at Marinella Referral Hospital, which is a teaching hospital, serving at least four million people uh, coming from about six districts in western Uganda and as well up to uh, about four countries uh, in East Africa that is including Rwanda, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, Sudan, Kenya among many others and Somalia as well. So we serve a number of refugee communities around here and uh, most of the time we get them from the refugee camps that are in western Uganda. Now this practice site entails the uh, both medical and surgical units of the emergency department where I was, I was uh, glad to be placed for one year. And while there, I had a number of experiences among which I'm going to share here. So most of the admissions actually are for non-communicable diseases and it's a very big burden here. Um, contra the narrative before, which was because of uh, the infectious diseases. Now it's non-communicable diseases and we are facing a lot of hypertension, heart failures and traumatic brain injuries, especially in the surgical unit. So <clears throat> we encountered a 65-year-old Old male who came in from a nearby uh, um, clinic and this gentleman uh, had um, uh, symptoms that were suggestive of an infection, intra-abdominal infection and whereas I was not there in the previous night of admission and the next morning I was able to review him as with part of my team and he was already on level of in 7 and 15 milligrams once daily for an intra-abdominal infection which was being suspected whereas other tests were being done. So at the end of the day uh, we did our medication reconciliation as we have always structured and tried to uh, risk stratify our patients now. The elderly are uh, older adults especially um, who present the emergency department, we give them priority to do at least a medication reconciliation. So we ran through his meds and realized that from the neighboring uh, clinic, he was actually being prescribed oral levofloxacin for a UTI which they suspected before uh, prior to this, uh, sending him or referring him to the regional referral hospital. The regional referral hospital here is actually next to the national referral hospital. So what we did was to ascertain and make sure that uh, the meds he was taking, he had an accurate medication list to say. So we were able to discharge that medication which was levofloxacin PO uh, 750 milligram once daily and uh, at the time of the presentation they were creating other um, uh, uh, hard, hard problems and one of them was an AV block. So the EKG read a 2 to 1 at revendicular block and we were able to review his medication, uh, realize there was a double uh, <clears throat> for quinolone usage so we recommended to stop it and also that a formal eco be done just to rule out uh, structural uh, heart um, uh, dysfunction. So we were able to go um, away to look into the EC, the, the, the eco, uh, eco cardiogram and uh, the finding was quite startling. There was nothing unremarkable, unremarkable actually uh, in the echocardiac echo. However, by the third day of stopping the uh, the, 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 the level of fluxacin uh, PO and also we tried to continue the, the, uh, the IV because there was need. Uh, the EKG normalized by day three. 
So this was a very good intervention for us, a very good catch for us. And this is just one among many instances where we have found out that most of these people will come in. They have a number of medications I've been using. Most of the time, up to 70% of the population uses herbal medicines. And most of the time, when we do a medication reconciliation, we look into herbal medicine use and self-medication, which is a very common problem here. So as a clinical pharmacist, this is where we contributed a lot and we have felt that we have made impacts in the patient's lives. So among others, one time we also had one who came in with a dual uh, beta blocker use and also having the same problem actually uh, I was being diagnosed with an AV block and most of the time when we discontinue these medications they actually resolve by third or fourth day uh, the ECG comes back again unremarkable. So these kind of interventions um, even despite the resource limitations that we have have actually seen us um, have a lot of uh, good working relationship with our, our team the medical so the good working relationship with the, with the team has actually been great for us and I see medication reconciliation as one of the best interventions we can do in our setting, especially where we have uh, limited resources. One of them as we are trying to assess for uh, DTPs, drug therapy problems, one of the key uh, uh, factors we encounter is about the cost of uh, putting up this intervention. So MedRec is the most uh, easily implementable uh, interventions for us uh, and also um, to understand that a lot of uh, this motivation we are getting as a team uh, in the, the pharmacy team is because of the uh, professional networking that we have had, especially uh, for myself, uh, being a part of the SCCP has been of great help. You know, uh, being in touch with people like yourself have been a great motivation to me. And this has just built my confidence and given me a lot of uh, hope for the uh, for the practice in the nearby coming future. So uh, I'm really so grateful to be a part of the Farm So Hard podcast and for the spotlight. And I hope that we shall have more experience to be shared just in time to come and uh, also I hope that whatever way we can we can always be able to uh, communicate and help each other to share our experiences and to see how we can overcome the challenges in the practice setting uh, knowing that so well that we are from different settings one of the things that we face is the scarcity of resources and number two as well the attitude especially in terms of the service provision so we believe that with the time we shall be able to overcome these barriers number one and number two as well that we shall be able to have more support you know as the benefits become a very eminent and then the team will start to be more supportive and more resources being channeled through the different stakeholders. So thank you so much for having me at the podcast. I'm so grateful. And until next time, thank you. Wow, that was amazing. I'm super excited about our first spotlight and being able to go throughout the world. So I know we have a, a group out there in Australia that listens. I know we have a group over in the Middle East. If you have a spotlight, please let us know. Super happy for the future. I think you guys were working with us the last few weeks as we push forward our launch of PACU. Um, we're going to get back to our usual scheduled routine. Uh, we have some special things coming up like the ivermectin and booster vaccine that's going to be live on 10-6, so Wednesday at 8 p.m. Registration link is going to be in the show notes, so check that out. And I'm just, I'm super thankful, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and end the same way we end everything. You don't have to work in ED. You don't have to even be a pharmacist. But everything you do, make sure you farm so hard. Ozzy scratches his head. Whatever she's looking for, it isn't in there. Perfect, perfect, perfect.